Amen. I feel the presence of God in this house tonight. Do you? Amen. Jesus is here. If you, if you still think he's in the grave, hmm, we need to work on you. He is alive. Not only alive, but he's well. He's alive and well. He's not seated in Washington, D.C. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, interceding for the church. Now, to me, speaking of this statement, it is a miracle. I did not know this man. I was born and raised the most. My father was one of the great leaders in the most. My mother was the devoted Muslim woman I've ever seen on the planet. I could hear them waking us up early in the morning. We have to go on our knees and bow down for Muhammad. That's the kind of environment I grew up in. I never placed my hands on this book. Because Muslim have their book called the Quran. There's, there was no need for me to think about Jesus Christ. You talk about Jesus, we talked about we talk about Muhammad. You talk about the church, we talk about the mosque. You talk about the Bible, we talk about the Quran. You talk about heaven, we talk about Jannah. We talk about God Jehovah, we talk about Allah. So we go draw. But the difference is one. He died, and he died. He's still in the grave. He came out of the grave. Amen. That's the only thing that makes a difference. He conquered death, and he's out of it. Muhammad is still in the grave. 1983, at the age of 17, a hopeless boy, don't know what to do and where to go. Dropped out of school, knowing that there would never be any good coming out of me. And one evening, which I'll never forget in my life, I saw about 12 white people in our community doing some puppets and drama. I didn't see Bible in their hands. And I approached them to see what these white people are doing in our community. And they were doing those puppets and sing some songs and do some drama. And when we gathered so many people, they paused and began talking about Jesus. As I listened, that was my first time to attend the preacher preaching Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is alive. The more I was enjoying seeing the purpose and the drama, the more the word of God was penetrating into my soul. Now, I forgot about the drama and the puppets. I began now thinking about who is this man, Jesus? Amen. So I went home that night that I preached about Jesus walking on the water. So one home thing about this man woman, there was no boat, no bridge. Who could this man be? The next day he came back with a lot of boys and many girls. Let's go see the talking cartoon. We call them the talking cartoon. 
we didn't know they were called the puppets. So the moment we were still enjoying the talking cartoons, the man paused and begin giving the story. This time it was Acts chapter 3. See, even God, I have none, but what I have I give to you in the name of just rise up and walk. And I said, oh my God, who is this man that even in his name people can be healed? I went home, I want to know this man. On the third day, I raised my hand. I will never forget. And I said, where do you read your story from? And this man with a big smile, I'll never forget, was a big guy, tall guy, with a big smile. He said one word, from the Bible. That's all what he said, from the Bible. And I began now thinking, oh, now where will I get the Bible? Do you know you have about five, ten Bibles in your home? But some people are looking for one Bible and they don't have one. I mean, where will I get the Bible? I remember in a neighborhood there is a Catholic woman. She must be having a Bible. And I ran to her. Do you have a Bible? She said, I do. Can I have it for one night? She said, you can. I had to hide my Bible. I did not want my father to know that I have a Bible in my hand. Can I tell you something? If you don't know how you can come out of bondage, always God has a good plan for you. God had a plan, not for my whole family, but for me in particular. Took this Bible in my bedroom. The bad part of it, I did not know where the chapter he read the story from. This is my first time to place my hand on the Bible. I had to flip the old pages, trying to look, Jesus walking on the water. I failed. Tried to look the story about the beautiful gate the whole night. I failed. I decided to carry my Bible, go back to these world people and ask them, here is the Bible, I can't find the story you are talking about. This man with a big smile, and he said, can I have your Bible, young man? I gave him my Bible, and he showed me the story. Isn't that awesome? And when he showed me the story, he said, young man, you don't need one day, you don't need two days. You need to sit down, read this book until you discover the stories you want. It was as if he pushed me into the Bible. I was looking for the stories. I didn't know the stories were looking for me. Amen. When I went home, I started from Genesis. Oh my goodness. I began to see things I'd never seen, I'd never had before in my life. If you don't believe in this book, you have missed a lot. This is not one of the books. This is life. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Guess what? The more I began reading this book, the more I have a lot of questions and I don't have the answer. So, I was frustrated. I said, let me go back to these people to give me the answers. Guess what happened? When I went back to these people that already gone. But they left a Ugandan preacher under the tree. With a few comments, I asked him a lot of questions and he told me everything and he ended up telling me about the salvation. And I said, oh, that's good. But I had only one question. Do you want to know what it was? I said, can I get saved? But let it be between me and you. Don't tell anybody. Can I get saved and I remain a Muslim? 
And I, I'll tell you why. I was scared of my father. Second, I'd never seen a Muslim get converted. So how am I going to do these things? I said, please don't tell anybody. He said, I will not. So he led me to Christ. And I told him, can I go back to the mosque? He said, go back to the mosque. I went back to the mosque. If you know how they pray, you put your fourth head down on the floor. And I did. But something happened this time. My heart did not go down. I realized that something had happened. And I realized that you cannot have both. You either retain Mohammedin or get him out they just come in. That was my most miserable service in the mosque. I could not wait the service to get finished. Jump out, run to this preacher, and I told him, I will not go back to the mosque. Amen. amen. That's a good big amen, I mean. <laughs> to make the Bible to say, amen, you have done a good job. Amen. I never went back. I promise, I never went back. And then he said, go back on your knees. I went back on my knees. And then he began praying for me, God, to give me the power and the courage and boldness. I don't know what happened to me. I began to cry. I said, Lord, now I can see. Lord, now I'm free. Lord, now I'm saved. But what about to my father? What about to my mother? And I will tell you why I was praying that, that kind of prayer. Because I knew they don't see what I'm seeing right now. And I knew they would not understand this truth. Now I was pleading for them, oh Father, what about my father? What about my mother? What about my fellow Muslims? And then I said, Lord, if you can give me power, you can give me courage, the best they can do for you before I die, I want to proclaim your holy name to my fellow Muslims. That was my prayer from the day one I met Jesus. Now, I want to pause for a few minutes, and I want, you to come, I want to come to your brain. I don't know what the right word, but I want, to come, I want you to think about this. Think about those 12 white people who came to Uganda. From the airport to the place where I'm born from, you need to drive six hours. Now, the roads are not Oxford roads. Now, you're talking air, um, for me to find a house, the air condition, it is when I came in this country. I've never seen a McDonald's in our area. I've never seen those good steaks like you have. But those people decided to leave their comfort zones, to forget their conditioned house and conditioned vehicles. And they missed the McDonald's, French fries, and Big Coke. Decided to come to that area where I'm born from. They looked funny and false to the thing they were doing. You could not even think these things can make sense. But ladies and gentlemen, if it was not them, I wouldn't be standing here right now. Amen. You still with me? 
Think about those 12 people from this country to my country. You need at least, at least you need 3,000 U.S. dollars. Think about the money they spend to go on that trip and did those kind of puppets and came back home. Maybe some of them, they thought the trip was not worth it, the money they spent. Because they only saw a young boy raising up their hand and asking questions. And some of them did not know that I gave my love to Jesus. And since then, I've never seen them. I've never shook their hand. They don't know whether I still exist. And I don't know whether they're still living. But look, to today, I have touched, by God's grace, not hundreds, but thousands. Since then to today, I have helped start churches, not one, not two, not three, over 300 churches in Uganda. Amen. Today, the church I pass as a senior pastor, I've been in this church for the last 10 years, started with zero in a city dominated by Muslims, we are running over 3,000. Oh, glory to God. I'm not here because I want to be here. I'm here because God has called me to change my country for Christ. My crusades in the stadium is from 20,000 to 50,000 at a go. And I have seen with my eyes Muslims going down on their knees and confess Christ. Now hear this. 2007, it was historical. I've never seen it. I don't know whether I'll ever see it again. We baptized in a single day, 1,524 in a single day. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Now, can you compare what God has done with the $3,000 each person spent on that trip can you compare this great work God has done by saving souls in my country with the money they spend on their trip? I'm here to challenge you. If this church is a mission-minded church and you are a Christian, knowing that if you die today, you can meet Jesus Christ, don't think everyone in your neighborhood, in this country, is a Christian. If there would be Christians, this church would be too small. This is an indication. This pews an indication showing the people your neighborhood they don't know Jesus. And the work of winning souls, bring somebody to Christ, is not given to the angels. It is church responsibility. And you can't tell me, brother and son, that's why we had a preacher. He will go and bring them in the church. It is not in the Bible. It is not here. But I will tell you what is in this book. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and it shall become what? 
If that means the pastor, it means you. It means you. It means you. And it means me. We have the Holy Spirit. But we have rejected to become witnesses. Every single day, not a day, but every second, somebody is dying without Christ. And go to hell. Jesus called his disciples and gave them power and authority. You know what he told them? You will cast out demons in my name. You will heal the sick. You will raise the dead. You will cleanse the lepers. Have you read that in the Bible? But he did not give them power. Peter, yeah. Go to hell. Bring those sinners back to life. And preach them the gospel. We don't have that power. Those who have already gone. Is a goner case. It's too late. But guess what? Those who have not gone yet in, in hell, the church has power to stop them. Amen. How many believe that? Why? How can we stop them? Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It is the power of God into what? Salvation. So, if the gospel is the power of God, it is not God's gun, it is the power of God, it can stop a sinner, and the sinner can change his plan and his mind, and stop going to hell, change directions, and go to heaven. But how would that happen if a church, by the way, the church is not a building, let me see the church here. One, two, three. Oh, we have a couple of churches. <laughs> you see? That, that, that's, that's about challenge, one challenge. Pastor, do you know if these people decide to get up and get the sinners into the kingdom of God, this church will be the small church in your side? Seriously. Oh, brother and son, they will not come. Come on. You need to know what the word of God says. Go and plant a seed. You plant a seed and God will cause the seed to grow. What does the scripture say? The scripture say the heart of the king are in God's hand. God has power to turn it around. Amen? Amen. So ladies and gentlemen, I have a lot to share with you. But I wanted to tell you this in brief. Jesus Christ has showed us the true picture that there is a heaven. Amen. You did not hear me. I said, there is heaven. Amen. In verse 13 it says, he who came down from heaven. People can say, how did he come from heaven? He was born in a manger. He said, well, I came from heaven. How do we know you came from heaven? They saw him ascending. They saw him going. That's why I have hope that there is a heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Why did he lift up the serpent in the wilderness? Because they sinned against God. And God punished them. And the only way to survive 
those snakes, they have to lift their eyes on the tree and see that serpent made in the form of bronze. And he said, okay, since you can't stop the serpent to, to, to bite you, look up there, you'll be healed. And when it worked, he said, now, the whole world, the whole world, you have been beaten by the snakes of sin. You are born sin. You can't save yourself from sin. You can't come out of sin. Your mother cannot save you. Your father cannot save you. Your neighbors cannot save you. White House cannot save you. Somebody in common will tell me, oh, finally I've got a, a savior. I say, who? He say, Dan Trump. He's not a savior. <laughs> He's not. I say, now who is? I say, for God so loved the world. And he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him will never perish. But have everlasting life. The savior. And the only one savior. Is Jesus Christ. He did not come on the planet to judge you. To condemn you. Oh let me tell you. I don't need to talk about you. Let me talk about myself. We have done so many things. That we were even embarrassed. To remember what we did. We have committed so many sins. I'm telling you, if you can remember some of you, you can remember those what you did, you can burst into tears. Because your past history is not good. The only man that can save you and forgive you and rub off everything in your record is Jesus. We have so many people who have killed people. We have so many women who have aborted Killed those babies. We have so many people have stole so many things. We have people have, oh my goodness, so many things. But you know what? On the cross, there is the blood. And the blood, you don't need the whole blood. You need just the drop. Just a single drop is enough to change your life. 2,000. And 16, let Jesus be your beginning and be your end. Let Jesus be the Alpha and the Omega. Please, let this man Jesus be Emmanuel. Means God is with you. In the time of needs, in the time of trouble, in the time of pain, in the time of frustration, in the time of hopelessness, let him be Emmanuel. God is with me in Africa. God is with you in Oxford. God is with you in Alabama. God is with you wherever you go in China. Let him be the bright morning star. Oh, glory to God. Don't make me preach as if I'm in Africa, please. <laughs> oh, glory. Do you feel his presence? Amen. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to announce this. Do you believe we are running out of time? Hello? 
you are just, some of you are just counting how many days Obama still have in Washington, D.C. Stop counting Obama's day. Begins counting when Jesus is coming back. Are you prepared enough? Are you ready to meet Jesus Christ? Oh, glory. I know, I'm going to preach for two hours. <laughs> I like that. Oh, my God. Oh, how men love my Jesus. Come on, come on. Oh, how men love my preaching. Thank you. But I'm preaching because somebody, 1983, went on a mission field. Who knows? There is another young boy somewhere in your neighborhood, somewhere in Africa, somewhere in Guatemala, somewhere in China, is waiting for your response, is waiting for your obedience, is waiting for you to write a check, is waiting for you to go on your knees, is waiting for you to go. And maybe this young man will come and give his life to Jesus Christ and change the whole world before Jesus Christ return. And if you want that to happen, you make a decision now. You are more valuable with the money you have on your account. You are more valuable with the house you have. You are more valuable with the car you drive. You are more valuable with the things you see around you. You are more important with anything you can ever imagine. Help somebody find Christ. Will you stand? Will you stand? Will you join Jesus Christ to change the world? If you're in this house have never met Jesus Christ as a person and Savior and Lord, please do it right now. If you've been reluctant to go and you've been saying it is too much money to spend, I'm a witness. They spend money on me, but I've changed my country. Can I tell you one more thing? See, while standing, the president of Uganda came to my church and they brought the camera and I looked into the camera and I spoke to the whole nation, 40 million people, watched my broadcast and I told them about Jesus. All this begins because somebody, 1983, went to Uganda. If you can't go, if you can't pray, tonight you can give and your check can change the whole world. As we pray, we sing.